This is Leah Jones, Director of Financial Planning at Hightower Bethesda. Thanks for joining me today as I explore topics that I hope arm you with the ability to make smart financial decisions. Hi, and thanks for joining our Hightower Bethesda podcast. Today, our topic is women and wealth. And just as a, a kind of a backdrop for this topic, There are some pretty interesting and surprising uh, statistics regarding women and wealth. So women control about 52% of the wealth in the United States. And projections are that by 2030, that number will grow to two thirds. There are more female wealth creators than ever before. So this is, you know, business owners, um, executives, Etc. And more women are the lead decision makers when it comes to how household wealth is used. So think about spending. Uh, the, the majority of the wallet share is really controlled by women to the tune of 80 to 85 percent of household spending is directly controlled by women. For millennial women, it's the, the numbers are even higher. So 72% of millennial women report that they are the decision makers for financial planning. So you can definitely see the tides kind of turning with some of these themes. Uh, however, despite these facts, sadly, there are still a lot of financial discrepancies that remain. Some of those things I'm sure you might have heard of before, for example, women's pay gap. So it's gotten better, but on average, women's salary has been cited to be 81 to 82% of an average man's. And so for people of color, women of color, that percent is even lower. Secondarily, there's also this women's investment gap. So the idea that women have less in retirement savings than men, about two thirds on average of the retirement savings of men. And some of the reasons for that are women are more likely to sit in cash. They're less likely to invest aggressively. And women are also more likely to live longer. And so the combination of all these things are leading women's retirement accounts to have less. And Another fact is that the financial advisor community is less than 15% females. So there is really a kind of lack of representation given all that information that I just spoke about. So on the one hand, women are earning more. They are more dominant in terms of spending, and they are progressively, even as they're becoming younger, more interested in finances. But on the other hand, there's still this gap between earnings and investing and knowledge. And so the advisor community, I think a lot of people find it very surprising that has so little representation for women given that backdrop. So I'm really excited today to speak with a fellow female advisor uh, in the industry. Her name is Jordan Andrewzak, and she is a financial advisor within the Hightower umbrella. Um, She works for a team called Synergy Capital Solutions, which are based out of Michigan. And she has a lot of experience advising women. 
And so we're going to talk today about some of the pitfalls we've seen in advising female clients. And what we really want to do is not only talk about those pitfalls, but give you some ideas, some solutions, some things that you can walk away with from this conversation that can kind of help bridge some of this gap that I was talking about in the beginning. So Jordan, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Leah. Yes, of course. I'm happy to have you. Um, so those statistics I read are pretty shocking. What are some reasons do you think that women, for all the progress they've made, um, and you know, I clearly just talked about a couple of things, but also women are getting more masters and PhD, higher level education. So all the progress that we've made, why are we still falling behind when it comes to investing and making money? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. So one thing I'll often see um, is the emotional labor aspect of being a woman. Um, often we're seen as the heart of a household, whether we work solely in the home or outside the home as well. Um, we often wear many hats and therefore can often carry a larger emotional burden than maybe our, our spouses or our male counterparts. Um, the constant stream of questions I think that we have running through our heads from the relatively innocuous innocuous, you know, did I buy enough pencils for my child's school year to the complex of what are the next steps I want to take in my business and how does that affect my day-to-day -day family life? Um, this emotional labor can really take a toll and often has women feeling like they just don't want to take on one more thing. Um, so I think that's something that we've really seen drive some of our, yeah, some of our, uh, you know, hesitation to get into investing. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that one um, more. I, I totally agree. I see that all the time. I feel that myself. <laughs> so, yep, having young kids. <laughs> yes. Having young kids will do that. <laughs> yes, so. I like that emotional labor. Yes. <laughs> yep. And so I think also sometimes the women are intimidated. Uh, you know, they may be intimidated, whether it's getting involved in investing, whether it's getting involved in the day-to-day -day finance, or whether it's the actual, um, you know, where do you go to ask questions? So they may not know the lingo or the mechanics of investing. And like I said, they may not, they're really unsure where to turn without feeling, for lack of a better term, silly, reaching out to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, yeah. that initial hesitation can kind of lead to just inaction. I've seen that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely echo both of those, uh, both of those issues. I, I, I would also add that women as a gender, I think are a little bit more cautious, right? I think most people would agree with that. There's exceptions of course, but uh, we tend to be rule followers and we like to make informed decisions, right? So that's like why when we sit in class and we're told to raise our hand, most people raise their hand and, um, you know, maybe their peers uh, don't. And so, you know, it, it, it's kind of drawn this line, this distinction is subtle, but starts from a young age and it leads to following a decision process that goes more like this. So I need to buy the book. I need to read the book. And then I need to follow the book exactly. So if we're talking about cooking, it's a recipe. I need to follow the recipe exactly. And so unfortunately with finances and investing, it's not that simple. So I think again, similar to your point with the intimidation, um, the cautiousness leads to the same kind of inaction. 
that, well, you know, I should really probably understand this better, or I need to fully understand this and before I do anything. And the reality is, I mean, you know, sometimes you're just not, you might not be able to, because you have no interest. Um, you might not be able to, cause you're just really too busy. There's lots of reasons why you don't have to um, be an expert in it. And, but at the same time, if you're not going to be an expert in it, then you need to not let that hold you back. That cautiousness hold you back from taking action. So I, that's one kind of hang up I've seen. Um, the other thing I've noticed in, in working with both men and women is that male clients are actually quicker to defer financial decisions to an expert, whereas female clients are more resistant initially. So again, I kind of attribute this back to um, kind of early, early childhood. And I think men are taught that success is a team sport. So, okay, you know, if I'm playing goalie, I can't also uh, score. So I'm going to defer to someone and that person's better at making the goals than I am anyways. And uh, not that women don't play sports. Of course we do, but um, it, it, it just that goes back to that caution and that intimidation or that being emotionally overloaded, all those things where I think women feel their success is determined independently from more hard work. So they're a little bit less hesitant to defer and, you know, deferring again is not a bad thing and it can be a really wonderful thing if it's a part of your broader team that helps propel, propel you to be more successful. So I think it's kind of a mind shift. And there, and there are tons of successful women that do this, but I just think it's a little bit harder initially for women to grasp this concept, whereas men kind of gravitate toward it quicker. Yeah, I could certainly see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the last thing I'd say, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is that women are just very hesitant to talk about money. It's almost like a dirty topic. You know, your aunt Sally wouldn't want to hear that out of your mouth. And I hate this, but I see it all the time. And I'll give you an example. Um, Recently, like I'm a part of this mom's group in my neighborhood and we talk about uh, raising money for the playground. And we talk about, you know, what we're going to do for Halloween and, you know, all these kind of things that mom talk, moms talk about. And, um, I thought, you know what, we're in this unique opportunity where interest rates are really, really low. And I'm sure some people don't know, cause they don't do, you know, what I do. So I sent out a message to them saying, Hey, you guys, like literally refinancing rates right now are sub 3%. This is insane. This is a really good time to, you know, lock in on a lower rate. And literally it was like crickets. And then maybe one person responded and said, I'll let my husband know. (laughs) Yeah, I just, it's like so funny because we're talking about a neighborhood where there's a lot of women that are very successful. It's a lot of dual income homes. And even in that situation, there was not much interest in talking about it. So, you know, I think it's, it's like either we don't want to brag about it or we don't want to talk about things if we're doing really good or we don't want to cry if it turns out we're really behind in something. Um, but either way, there's just kind of all these emotional blocks that we have going on behind the scenes 
And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, when women get more comfortable talking about finances, like, as I think men do a lot more than we do, that is one thing that will definitely kind of help this overall situation. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. I I think that, uh, you know, the more it's out there, the more that it's discussed, the more comfortable we all get with talking about finances. Uh, the better off we'll all be. Exactly. It's not a dirty word. (laughs) No, no, it is not a swear, guys. (laughs) It's not. And it's not considered bragging. It's considered, you know, keeping yourself informed and, you know, just get it out there. Start. Here's some of your homework for anyone that's out there listening is go talk to five people about their finances. You don't have to ask them how much they make or anything, you know, that would make you feel uncomfortable, but Hey, what do you do for investing? Do you have a financial plan? You know, what are your goals? What are your short-term, long-term goals? Um, and then just start getting comfortable with those. Cause most people aren't going to have any problem talking about that with you. No, especially if they have a plan. I think, you know, I think exactly asking the one question of what is the, you know, what's one thing you're doing for your finances that's making you feel really good. Right. And then take that back and, and try and implement it for yourself. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. So um, tell me, in addition to everything we've already been talking about, what are some common issues that you've seen with financial clients that you advise? Yeah, I would say um, one being financial transparency. So they are not involved in the day-to-day. They may defer to someone else entirely, such as a spouse, for um, you know, the investment side and, and, and whether they pay the bills or not, they may not actually look at the plan from, from soup to nuts, so to speak. And so, you know, I, I, my solution to that is really to start asking questions at the very least, make sure you know how bills are being paid, how to access accounts, what your investment strategy is, um, if you have a financial plan and if so, what is it, um, you know, the very unfortunate truth is that women very often outlive men and having knowledge of these items hugely can reduce your stress during a very, you know, an already emotional time. Um, I can't, you know, unfortunately I've, you know, sadly had to, had to advise many women through that process. And I can't tell you the amount of times that having a plan. um, And then when the women were very informed of that plan, how much, easier everything was. Right. And they probably felt very good knowing, especially in the case that they had been deferring to their husband, like, okay, Hey, I can give Jordan a call. And I know she understands everything. Yep. Yep. And why did we do things this way? You know, why, why did my husband or my spouse, why did they make these decisions? What's the history there? Um, Completely agree. Yeah. And, And you know, the other thing I think women often don't really take on is, is budgeting. Um, you know, it, it, even if they are paying the bills, they may not actually be taking a look at what's actually coming in and out. Um, I will tell you, I often have women, when I bring up the word budget, they physically cringe. <laughs> People hate the word. <laughs> right. They're afraid or ashamed that they're spending too much and they don't want to feel constricted on a budget. So Something I've kind of reframed with a lot of clients, both men and women, um, is the the concept of empowered budgeting. So it's really, you know, in reality, the outcome is the same. 
It's a review of your spending and building out a savings plan. It's just reframing it from a place of constriction to a place of knowledge and flexibility. And I found that to be huge with many clients and, and with myself. You know, you really want to have an understanding of generally where your dollars go, not necessarily every penny, but then build a framework based on that. It allows clients to feel more comfortable and confident that what they're doing, that they're already paying themselves first, they're already saving for their goals, and then anything else above and beyond that, they can spend freely within that framework. Um, and, and then they don't have to agonize over every pair of jeans or every latte or every set of pencils for that child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, I, I love the uh, empowered budgeting concept. That's wonderful. And I've, I've seen that cringe myself um, on clients' faces when I talk about budgeting. And sometimes something I've found that helps as well is to kind of back into the number. So, okay, fine. We don't have to go through every single line item of your credit card to start. You know, eventually we might want to get there, but um, let's look at some of the bigger numbers. Like at the end of every year, what have you accomplished in terms of savings? You know, if you've saved nothing, mm-hmm. then it's pretty clear you spend everything you make, right? <laughs> if yep, you, yep, and we if, have to have a different conversation. <laughs> right. If you have just managed to put away the money in your retirement account, because that money comes directly out of your paycheck and goes into a retirement vehicle. Okay, good. That's better than nothing, right? We can work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, if you've got more money in your checking account at the end of every year, then you know you're saving something. So you have probably some type of better idea of what you're spending is just by even doing that back of the envelope calculation. And I find with this question in particular, rather than again, just take no action because you get intimidated or overwhelmed or scared, whatever the word is, um, just start with something, some type of understanding of what it, what it looks like. Good, bad, or ugly, right? Yep. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Isn't isn't the saying that uh, you have to you have to eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> That's right. Just be honest to yourself. Nobody else is judging you. Just be honest to yourself. Leah, what have you seen working with women? What is what has been some some um, issues and some solutions that you've been able to bring to the table? So, and, and I touched on this in in the beginning, but I, women do have a tendency to be more risk adverse. Now, I think once women understand about investing and or they are have a relationship with a trusted trusted advisor, I don't think they're opposed to taking risk in general. Okay, I think it just kind of stems from either this lack of understanding or being a little scared to defer to someone, um, et cetera, someone that they don't know. Um, uh, but I have definitely noticed there's a tendency to be more risk adverse initially. Okay. Not always, but with investments, you know, the thing is it's never going to be fully possible for you to 100% understand it again, unless you're kind of, you know, one of us and we're always, we can be surprised by things too, right? There's innovation, things are changing, there's continuing education. Like it's, it's a crazy world. Right. Um, and so I think, owning that you're not going to necessarily understand everything, but getting comfortable with the concept of investing and saving and, you know, baby steps. And then over time, seeing results is going to encourage that behavior of, of taking risk of not just sitting on cash, because we know that women have this problem of sitting on cash. So they're accumulating it. It's sitting there. It's not that they're not saving, but they're not 
moving forward with investing it. And I can actually just think I had two calls with um, separate uh, women this past week. And um, even though they were married, they were controlling the finances, at least the day-to-day operations, right? So paying of the bills, collecting um, income, that type of stuff. And they were both sitting on a lot of cash. And even, even with an advisor, I have to somewhat push them sometimes and just say, you know, hey, that's a lot. You, you have a lot of money in cash. Look at what your investments are doing. And then they kind of say, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. I know. I know. You know, so, um, <laughs> so it is, it, it's kind of just overcoming um, this, this risk adversion, this tendency to just want to kind of be very safe with, with what you have. Um, so some yeah. solutions, have you seen that as well? I have, you know, and I think one thing that I'll, I'll often, you know, reference, and this is just a, a, a standard investment principle, um, investing principle is diversification, right? You don't want to have all of your eggs in one basket when it comes to picking your investments. And you can look at cash as a quote unquote investment in that same manner where you want to diversify some of that cash. I mean, in, in five years, don't you want to be able to buy that full latte instead of only a portion of it? And, and, you know, outpace <laughs> that inflation. Right, right. <laughs> um, I know I do. <laughs> right. So uh, that's the other the other thing I try to kind of remind, remind women, especially. Right. Well, what's the end goal? I mean, the end goal is for your retirement account to not be two thirds of your husband's. Right. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Right. Um, I love that. So Okay. Solutions that I have, start talking to people, like, like talk to people about what they're doing with investments, talk to them, what they're doing with cash. Like talk again, it's just the idea of what other people are doing, other women, other men, you know, maybe someone that you really admire, maybe a, you know, close friend of yours. And you guys have never talked about your finances before or investing. Um, and, and just ask people that question. I think you said it too. What's working, what's not. And, um, you know, besides obviously just kind of having those conversations, if you, if you don't feel comfortable or you're not there yet, or you don't want to, then just read some books. Um, one, I, I kind of recommend investments for dummies, right? Just kind of get some basic uh, concepts, some basic knowledge, and then maybe you'll feel more comfortable, uh, asking the questions, but, um, you know, lastly, just finding someone that you can trust, whether that's a paid advisor or whether that's someone that you know has done really well with their money or whether it's your you know, best friend or your parents, just someone that you can trust that can help advise you. So the other thing that I've seen and you hit on it in the beginning as well is that because women carry uh, so much emotional labor, they have a hard time prioritizing. So a lot of women are caregivers um, and they're working and it means they have a lot on their plate. And, and at the end of the day, you kind of think to yourself, okay, well, I got to, you know, got to work, got to collect the income and got to make sure my kids are fed. I got to make sure that they, you know, have clean clothes. Like these are priorities. So unfortunately that cash that is piling up or your retirement savings, that's not invested very aggressively gets kind of, you know, pushed to the side. So what I really want to challenge women to do here um, is make this a priority. You know, it is, it is just as important as taking care of your kids and providing income because it's your long-term security. And it's also your ability to continue to provide for your family and to have a safety net and to do, you know, college planning and all that good stuff that's ultimately 
going to be beneficial to your whole family. So, you know, put a note in your calendar monthly to review your finances, um, make your, make, make it so you can't just pretend like it's not there, you know, make it visible and set yourself up some things that will make you accountable. So maybe you could do like a quarterly review with your partner and make sure you're on the same page about your financial goals. I can't tell you how many times I see husband and wife being on totally separate pages about, you know, what their financial goals are. I'm sure you've yep, seen that as completely well. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, do, try to do it yourself. If you can't do it yourself, if you work with an advisor, they'll force you to do it. But, you know, some things you want to understand are what are your short term? What are your long term? What are your aspirational goals? And not only what are they, but tracking your progress. Are you doing the things that you need to do to make these goals happen? So I think that's really, I think that's really important. And then finally, I mean, there's blogs, there's podcasts, whatever your preference is in terms of consumption of information, do it because you're going to be able to find something that's going to give you some tidbits. Hopefully you're getting it from this podcast today. Um, But, you know, whether it's listening or reading or, you know, going to certain websites every day to check out what the latest tips are. Uh, I don't really care what it is, but just start doing it. And again, maybe start with a goal of doing it for 15 minutes uh, a week or, you know, 30 minutes a month, whatever it is, hold yourself accountable to it. And, um, and, you know, again, you can always work with someone. They're going to help you with these things as well. If it makes you feel better to educate yourself at the same time you work with someone, great. Um, If you prefer to not educate yourself and fully defer to someone else that you really trust then that works too. But either way, you know, there's options here, but just please, please, please prioritize this, make this a priority because I promise you, I've never had anyone complain to me about prioritizing their future finances. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can completely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a struggle to get them to do it, but once they do it, they're always like, thank you. I'm glad I did it, right? Yes. Yes. This, and they always say this feels good. <laughs> right. It feels good. I, I finally addressed it. Um, so yeah. in parting, Jordan, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I, I love talking to another woman in the industry and, um, you know, just in parting, what are some of your last words of wisdom? Yeah. You know, and again, thank you for having me. Like you said, I love being able to collaborate with, you know, women across the nation. And, and I'm just, very thankful that, um, you know, we are part of that 15%. (laughs) So sad. Um, We got to get it up. I know. I know. So any, any, uh, aspiring women advisors out there, reach out to one of us. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We'd love to talk to you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, um, but as exactly as you stated, prioritize your finances. I mean, you prioritize your family and, or your business, you should treat your finances the same. Um, you know, there's an underlying routine to managing a household or to managing a business or to managing, you know, your schedule. Um, Make sure you implement a routine or a plan for your finances as well. Um, Get comfortable with your inflows and outflows. So that empowered budgeting concept, set goals, make sure that they're, you know, achievable, attainable, they've got timelines on them um, and have a plan to work towards them. Also utilize an advisor. We can 
certainly help make sure that the investment side of your equation is in fact in line with your goals, that you are being aggressive enough. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe you're being too aggressive and you can take your you can take your foot off that pedal a little bit just to feel a little more comfortable during, you know, market volatility and still be able to achieve your goals. We can help you figure that out. We can also help you tackle those large tasks and make that entire process just that much more manageable. So I just really urge you to, you know, find somebody that you trust as an advisor to help get you through through some of these these larger things and really help you determine what your goals are and work towards them. I, yeah, I think that's all good, good last words of wisdom here. The only thing I would add is that I think it's really important. And and I talked a little bit in the beginning about um, some of the fundamental differences that exist between uh, men and women. And it starts really at a young age and um, something that, that really stuck with me that I heard one time at, at a conference was you don't want your daughter to have less money than your son. And in particular, this really, you know, sticks with me because I just had a daughter and I previously had a son. <laughs> um, and of course I'm a woman myself. And, and you think to yourself, yeah, like I really don't want her to be at any financial disadvantages in life. You work so hard for, for your kids to have all the advantages that they can in life. And then you certainly don't want some kind of underlying stigmas um, to, to cause, cause that to potentially happen. Right. So I think start teaching your, your kids really young, both of them. And don't, don't, don't let any potential bias that you might have reflect in treating your son a little differently than your daughter, especially when it comes to finances. I think that that's just really important. And Another thing, and, and my mom really had always impressed this on me at a young, from a young age, is that don't let girls think it's okay to depend on someone else financially. I've had female clients say to me before, yeah, well, my father told me that somebody else would always take care of me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, why? Why would you think that? So, you know, I think it's really important to talk about your finances, investments, and money as a family and make sure that you know it's not a dirty conversation. So, and make sure some of the the, the subliminal or not so subliminal messages that you are being very clear to your kids about how you want them to, to understand, approach, and think about their finances. So, um, and, and let those little girls know they better be able to financially support themselves because <laughs> I think yep. that's important. All right. Well, thanks so much again, Jordan, and to all the listeners out there. Hope you got some good uh, tips and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much. Take care. Hightower Bethesda is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. 
All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Bethesda and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Hightower Bethesda and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.